Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Unconventional Wedding Planning Podcast. My name is Ashley, and I am planning my own unconventional budget micro-wedding in the middle of a pandemic. If you don't feel represented in mainstream wedding media, if you haven't been dreaming about your wedding day since you were six years old, and if you don't want to have an Instagram wedding, then you are in the right place. Hello, and welcome back to the Unconventional Wedding Planning Podcast. Today's episode, episode 70. I can't believe we are at 70. That's kind of wild. Um, I'm really excited for when we get to 100. I think we're going to get there. Um, As I've shared before, my wedding is coming up in September, but I think I have at least 30 more topic ideas to go. Might even try to get uh, my partner, my fiance, the groom uh, on the podcast if uh, if he's interested in that to get his perspective. So hopefully we'll hit 100, but uh, super exciting that we are at 70. That's really awesome. So I thought uh, for the 70th episode, I would do a little bit of a throwback. So way back in episode episode 50. I did an episode about the nine most common wedding regrets and how to avoid them. And I think it's my most popular episode. People love that, really want to make sure they're avoiding those easy wedding regrets. So I thought for episode 70, we would revisit the topic, not the exact same uh, regrets or the same list, but new regrets, because apparently there are just so many things people regret when it comes to their wedding. So this episode is going to be based off of a BuzzFeed article that came out in May, uh, listing 17 wedding regrets. We'll probably hit on, hmm, let's say, eight till 10 of them. Uh, I'll go through them like I did in episode 50, share what the regret is, and then share some advice for making sure that you don't have that same regret at your wedding. Um, And apologies for any extra sound. I am recording this um, in not ideal conditions, but as you probably know from now, as you probably know by now, if you've listened to any episodes, I'm also not great at the editing, so we'll be leaving everything in. So let's dive in. So the very first regret here is not eloping. 
Our wedding was relatively small and inexpensive, but we could have spent that money on a sweet beach elopement and doubled up on our honeymoon to be two weeks. Now, this is one that is super close to my heart. And if you are in the midst of wedding planning, you are probably nodding along because I think every couple who plans a wedding at some point or another says, why didn't we just elope? <laughs> um, and most couples say that as a joke. You know, they're just getting too stressed about choosing um, oh, for me this week, it was choosing the type of fake eucalyptus garland that would be wrapping around the floral stands at the front of the ceremony space and coordinating who is going to power wash the deck where the ceremony is going to take place. So just really exciting, big, meaningful, important wedding planning tasks that, uh, you know, a few months ago, I would have said, I don't care at all. And I still don't really care. Uh, but for some reason, I am all wrapped up in it and spending tons of time and too much money on some of these things. And that was definitely one of many moments where I said, oh, we should have just eloped or we should have just, you know, done this on the fly, just, you know, a surprise weekend, told our parents to show up and surprise them with the wedding. I still, there's still, a, I would, if I'm being honest, there's a large part of me that still really wants to do that. I think I'm a little bit too late now. The wedding's coming up in September. People have booked travel, you know, things have been paid for. Um, but I still really love the idea. And, you know, if it's not too late for you, or honestly, there really is never too late. You could always go and elope. It's always an option. It's, it's a real option. You know, a lot of couples say it as a joke, but it really, it really is an option. There is um, a lot of people who do it and they have the most amazing time. No regrets, save money. Like this person says, you can put that money towards your honeymoon, make it really epic and awesome. Um, I did an episode way back, episode 22, called Should You Just Elope? So if you were thinking about elopements, if this is kind of sounding good to you, you're like, could we could we actually do that? Uh, I encourage you to head back and listen to that episode and then just look for some resources. Check out different wedding blogs or Facebook groups or Instagram pages. There's so uh, much information out there about elopements. So definitely an option and one that I really, really like. <laughs> okay, regret number two is a reception line. I didn't want to do it, but I felt pressured. All I did for three quarters of my reception was stand and say hello to people. It was miserable and took all the fun out of the day. So this is a super easy uh, wedding regret to avoid. Just cut it. Just do not have a reception line. I think it's a little bit of a dated thing to do a reception line. I've also heard of like a ceremony line. So that would be like once you get married, you kiss, everyone cheers, you walk back down the aisle and then at like the entrance to your ceremony space, you and sometimes the wedding party all stand in a line. And as people leave, they can like congratulate you on on their way out. Um, and then the reception line is sort of the same idea. But it's as people enter your reception, you would be standing in a line and people would stop and like, say hello, congratulate you usually take a photo and then keep going. I remember doing this at I think one of my aunt's weddings, probably 10 or 15 years ago. Um, and I remember it taking forever. Like we were standing in the line to go greet them because it's the line on your way into the reception. So you like can't even go to your table. Uh, dinner started late, dancing started late because it took so long to go through this line. Everyone wants to say a few words to the couple. They have to take a few photos. Oh, someone's not looking. Someone's jacket is missing. Oh, come back. We need one more photo. Oh, different arrangements. Um, it takes forever. So I would 100% just cut this. You could say, um, you know, you can make a cute announcement. Let's say you're doing a speech. During your speech, you can say, oh, we're so excited you're all here. Please come say hello to us on the dance floor. We'd love to see you there. Something like that. A good compromise, if you know somebody is really pushing you for the reception line, you really don't want to do it. A good compromise is to go around to each table and do a toast. So this is something we see at weddings a lot too. It's a lot faster than a reception line because you are not taking an individual photo with each person, each couple, each family. You don't have to talk to each person individually, which 
kind of gets me into the whole thing of like, you want to have a manageable guest list. Sorry, I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here. Um, having a manageable guest list, there's so many reasons why a smaller guest list is, in my opinion, a good choice. It saves you a ton of money and you actually get to spend time with people. Like it's kind of wild to me that I'm sharing tips about how to not have individual conversations with every person at your wedding, because why did you invite them? <laughs> you, don't, you know, I understand it's one night, you only have so much time, there's a lot you have to do dinner, drinks, dancing, speeches, all that stuff. There's a ton to do, you probably don't have time for like a heart to heart with everyone. And it doesn't mean you love them any less. So I apologize if I'm offending you. But it's just kind of wild to me that I am giving tips. And you know, that there are tips out there for literally how to spend less time with the people you're paying to, you know, to have dinner with you. <laughs> so if if possible, cut down on that guest list. And that makes all of this a lot easier. But if you you know, if you do have that huge guest list, if that's something you want, doing the toast at each table is way better than the reception line in terms of saving you money, or sorry, not saving you money, saving you time, <laughs> probably would not save you money, you'll have to buy champagne. Um, so basically, you just go around to each table, you and your partner, and you would say, thank you so much for coming. We're so glad you're here. Cheers, everyone cheers. Your photographer might come with you, you might get one photo at each table. But obviously, that's a lot faster than having conversations with every couple and photos, you know, with every person. And in terms of having fun, obviously, you get to have fun because you are drinking champagne at each table. So definitely a good way to, uh, to keep the fun going and shorten that time. Regret number three is letting the photographer dictate where we should be for the entire night. Looking back, I should have told them to do all the photo poses we wanted in the first hour, then leave us alone. <laughs> so this is a big one. And I think um, couples kind of go one way or the other. So there's some couples who like the whole point of the wedding day for them is to get those beautiful photos. They've invested, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in this photographer. They want all the beautiful photos. They're doing a ton of photos before, during, after, perfect lighting, perfect decor, setting, outfits, everything, and like getting those perfect photos and the perfectly posed photos is really important to them. And there are other couples who are like, we just want to have fun. You know, we spent all this money on a DJ, we got glow sticks, we have dry ice, it's going to be an amazing time, open bar, please don't pull us away, like grab some photos if you can, sure, but like, we're not here for the photos, we're here for the experience. And there's really, there's not a right or wrong answer, right? Like you can want one or both of those things. And there's definitely a way to compromise. So one of the ways you could compromise is you could say, okay, you know, photos are really important to us. However, we only want to pose for an hour. After that, we just want candidates. So if you can, you know, do maybe you hire a photographer who's a little bit more documentary style, and they can just take candid photos during your reception. Of course, a lot of those dance floor photos are not the most attractive, probably not the ones you're going to frame around your house. Um, but maybe those are the memories you really want to remember. So or maybe you get, um, you know, a videographer who's going to really capture that experience for you. Um, you can also do your photos ahead of time. So this is a really good, uh, reason to do a first look. If you want to take care of all of those posed photos ahead of time, that way you're not missing out on any fun of your wedding because you can do all your photos before the ceremony. You could also do a really short sunset session. A lot of photographers will come in and take the couple away for like 15, 20 minutes, just grab a few shots at sunset, not tearing you away from your party. Um, and then, you know, if you're, if you're really looking to get beautiful photos and you want to not lose any time from your wedding, you can take photos before or after the wedding day. And I mean, like, completely before. So like weeks before, days before, <laughs> weeks or days after I was in a wedding where the uh, 
unfortunately, the bride and groom were really not happy with the photos that were taken on their wedding day. Uh, they were running super far behind, so they missed out on a ton of photos they wanted to take. Um, there wasn't there wasn't even one of just like the bride in her dress by herself, which is you know a bit of a wedding uh, photographer sin in my opinion. Um, so what they did was they got married in June. They actually in August uh, decided to retake their photos with the entire wedding party. So <laughs> I happened to be in town for another wedding, so put on my bridesmaid's dress again, did my own hair and makeup, and we all met at like five in the morning, um, which sounds ridiculous to ask your wedding party to all gather again at five in the morning, um, two months after your wedding to take photos, but it was a ton of fun. We were like in the streets of a downtown city. We had them all to ourselves. Cars were like honking because they, you know, thought they were getting married. And she got all these gorgeous photos all around the city at these places that like she wasn't getting married in those locations, but they just made beautiful backdrops. So that is totally an option. And it's really fun to have that experience again, get to dress up again, people congratulating you, you get all these beautiful photos. So if you are worried about not having enough time on the wedding day, don't worry because you can absolutely have photos taken another day. You could even work with another photographer. Maybe someone who wasn't available for your Saturday wedding is available Monday at 5 a.m. to take your photos. So definitely an option if the photos are important to you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, so regret number four is hiring a bad photographer. At the end of the day, your photos are the only tangible thing you pay for. So I definitely agree with this. And photography is one of the few things that I am investing in. Um, I don't have very many vendors. We're having a pretty small wedding. So my only real vendors are like the officiant and the photographer. Um, I don't really have a florist. We're getting uh, one bouquet. So they're just, you know, we're just going to pick it up from a floral shop. We don't really have a caterer. We're ordering just from our favorite restaurants. We'll get delivery. Uh, so yeah, the photographer and the officiant are kind of my only vendors. And I really did want to make sure we were investing in a photographer whose work we really loved. Um, that's super important. Like this person says, photos are really the only tangible thing that you would pay for. Um, obviously, video could be another another thing. But I think photos are more popular, you know, you can use them more places. Uh, you can put them up around your home, give them as gifts, that sort of thing. So it really does depend uh, what you care about. If you care about your photos, obviously this is something you're going to want to invest in. Um, if you don't really care about your photos, if you'd rather put that money elsewhere in your wedding, that's totally fine. Don't let anyone shame you uh, into thinking otherwise. I do think they're important. And I think it's something, you know, you want to have that nice, beautiful memory of your day, but maybe not at the expense of an awesome dance party or really good food if those things are more important to you. 
when you're picking a photographer, you want to make sure you're looking at um, like a full body of their work. So looking at an entire gallery, not just the best, you know, two or three shots that they're putting up on Instagram. You also want to make sure that you're meeting with them and you get along with them. You know, your personalities sort of mesh well together. You're going to be with them all day long and you want to make sure you're having fun. I think that really helps in them being able to capture the most beautiful photos of you if you get along. <laughs> if you want to save some money, you know, try to get a photographer for fewer hours. A lot of photographers have like eight hour packages, 10 hour packages, that sort of thing. Maybe ask if they would do like a two hour package. Maybe you don't need them for getting ready. Maybe you don't really care about reception photos. So you're just going to do some first look and the ceremony. That is totally fine. That's what we're doing. Um, I don't need anyone taking photos of me getting ready and not having a wedding party. It's just me and my partner. He'll be zipping me up in the hotel. We're good to go. <laughs> um, and I don't need any photos of the reception. I don't really care to have photos of people eating or things like that. So for me, the first look in sort of those couple portraits, the ceremony and a few family photos, that's all I care about. So it's a lot more affordable to only hire my photographer for two hours versus for an entire day. Another way to save money would might, might be to hire them in like an off-peak season or an off-peak day. Depending on the photographer, they may have different rates for if you're getting married in the winter versus like the spring. They might have different rates if you're getting married on a Monday versus a Sunday. Sunday or a Saturday. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm all over the place. Um, so it's it doesn't it doesn't hurt to ask, right? If you find someone whose work you really love, who you get along with, definitely ask if they have um, you know shorter packages, if they have off peak hours or off peak days or things like that. So always ask. Regret number five: letting my ex mother in law dictate pretty much everything. It stopped being our wedding and became her wedding. Ugh. And if you're curious about this, you can head to the BuzzFeed article. I'll link it in the show notes. Um, they kind of list all the wild things that this mother-in-law did to sort of take over the wedding. Um, this is a huge one. I did a recent episode on this, episode 63, how to plan a wedding with your in-laws. Um, it's tough. It's very, very difficult. It's difficult to plan a wedding full stop. Uh, then you're doing it with, you know, you and your partner. So that's two people's opinions. Then you bring in family, you know, you got your, you know, mom and dad, whoever, sisters, cousins, grandparents, whoever's weighing in. And then you have your partner's family. Um, and for some reason, it's always, it's always the moms. <laughs> they get the worst reputation here, mother-in-laws. So it's all of these really tricky dynamics. You know, obviously you want your mother-in-law to like you. You're about to join their family officially. They're not a person you grew up with. So maybe you're close to them, but not super close. It, it gets super tricky. So definitely head back, listen to that episode, episode 63, how to plan a wedding with your in-laws. But at the end of the day, you really just want to remember that this is your wedding as in yours and your partners. It's about the two of you. You want to really be firm in that partnership and make sure that all of the decisions being made are decisions the two of you agree with, you know, decisions the two of you make, not something your mother-in-law or your mother, father, grandparent, whoever is making. Um, you want to be that united front. So going home and chatting things over with your partner, not making decisions without them, um, really affirming those boundaries with your parents. And if you're having issues with your in-laws, I think it's always a good idea to send in the uh, the, the child first, if that makes sense. So let's say uh, your mother-in-law is giving you issues. You can send in your fiance to talk to that person because they're the child that is their parent. They have a closer relationship. They might be able to talk a little bit more candidly. That's not to say you should completely ignore your in-laws and, you know, refuse to speak with them. But I think this is a situation where, especially in a case where it is, you know, to be heteronormative here, it's a bride and a groom and the groom's mom is wreaking havoc. And the bride's always like, what do I do? It's like, well, tell the groom to step up. <laughs> like it's his mom. He can get in there and, and, you know, affirm those boundaries and support the two of you and the vision you have for your wedding day. 
So that's a big one um, and definitely something that you want to work on to make sure you don't regret <laughs> your wedding day when it's not even about the two of you. Regret number six, wearing heels. Also letting my sister-in-law convince me to stay at her house the night before instead of at a hotel. I was on a tiny uncomfortable futon with a, my giant future husband and slept maybe an hour. Ugh. So I think the big takeaway from this one is just comfort. So comfort in terms of the shoes you're wearing, in terms of where you're staying the night before, getting sleep, all of those sort of things. So for myself, I'm not a heels person. I am already quite tall. My fiance is about the same height as me. And I think if I wore heels, he'd probably be a little bit uncomfortable. Um, eh, I don't know if he'd mind, actually. I know I would be uncomfortable, not just in that I'm taller than him, just physically, I would be uncomfortable. I'm not great at walking in heels, being tall. I've never really had to wear them. So I have flats that I've got um, online for $20. And that's the plan. I plan to wear those. Uh, if they pinch my toes, I'll probably change into like sneakers or flip flops. So I'm going for max comfort. My dress comes down to the floor. So no one's going to see my shoes. And even if they do, I don't really care. I'm not a big shoe person. I know everyone is different. If you're planning to wear some really extravagant, amazing heels, uh, make sure you get some gorgeous photos of them, tell your photographer, and then also make sure you have a backup pair of shoes. <laughs> I was just looking at some wedding photos from a couple that got married. Um, they did a helicopter elopement. So they got married at the top of a mountain covered in snow. And she was wearing the most gorgeous stiletto heels, but in snow, her poor feet must have been freezing. And then there was this whole section of the wedding where um, she listened to my advice. She brought some backups and she changed into a pair of like bright red sneakers afterwards. And it was so funny, like those photos of her with her sneakers on were my favorite photos from, <laughs> from, uh, from the wedding. So that's, I think it's a really good idea to have some backups. Uh, same thing is, uh, you know, with your comfort the night before. I think it's super important to wake up as relaxed and refreshed as possible on your wedding day. And I know that's super hard because you will probably be super stressed or anxious or, you know, butterflies, whatever it is. I know myself when I have something big coming up the next day, I never really sleep well. Um, you know, the day before the first day of school, I always slept like one or two hours because I was just nervous and stressed and excited. So I think I'm probably going to sleep pretty poorly the night before my wedding, but I want to make it as relaxed and refreshed as possible. So my partner and I have already booked, we're going to stay at this hotel that's like five minutes away from our venue, big king bed, you know, super nice and luxurious. I'm going to try to take a bubble bath. I'm not a bath person at all, but it sounds nice. Get to sleep early, use my sleeping mask, you know, pop some melatonin, whatever it is. I want to give myself as much of a chance as possible to relax and be stress-free. So I can't even imagine sharing a small futon at my sister-in-law's house. I, I don't love that. I do love that her and her future husband spent the night together though. I think that's super cool and definitely something I want to do. And then just for the morning of, um, you know, trying to make sure that that is also as comfortable and relaxed as possible. So I'm planning to, you know, sleep in, have a shower at the hotel. I assume they're going to have a really lovely, um, you know, nice rainfall shower head, that sort of thing. My partner and I are going to go get breakfast together, walk the dog, check in on our venue, things like that. Just super relaxing, really low key spending that time together. Okay. Regret number seven is picking the longest song ever for a first dance. So this is definitely one that I've seen at weddings and you've probably seen this too. You know, the first dance starts, everyone is watching the couple for the first 30 seconds, a minute, you're kind of thinking, oh, how sweet is this? You know, they're swaying together. They might kiss. They might be wiping tears from each other's eyes. The photographer, the videographer, they're circling them, taking all these shots. And then for the next two minutes, you're kind of like, wow, okay. They're, yep, they're still dancing. Oh, look at them. Look at them go. So 
Um, take a cue from your past wedding experience that really no one is going to mind if you cut your first dance short. There is, there's really no need to do the full four minutes and 30 seconds of the song, unless you are amazing dancers and you have an entire routine worked out. Um, nobody, nobody wants to watch you sway like sixth graders for four minutes. That's just not that enjoyable. So, you know, take enough time to enjoy the moment. Um, you know, be in it together, make sure you get your favorite verse of the song, whatever it is, make sure there's enough time for your photographer, your videographer, whoever to get the photos, the videos that they need, and then cut it. <laughs> talk to your DJ, talk to them about cutting the song. That's something they do all the time, not a problem. Or if you want, you could invite other couples up to join you. I've seen this before. I think it's very sweet. The DJ will just come on and say, you know, they'll come on the mic and they'll say like, oh, um, Jane and Dane would love to invite all the other couples in the room to join them for the rest of this dance. And then everyone else comes up and it becomes a little bit more, um, not exciting, but it's like, you know, there's a, there's an interest level now there's other people dancing. So it's not as boring as watching the two of you. No offense. <laughs> if you're not sure if your song is too long practice, um, you don't have to take dance lessons, but if you want to, you can, but just practice in your living room, turn on the song, practice dancing for the entire length of it. If it feels long in your living room, it's going to feel like an eternity on your wedding day. So not a problem. Go ahead and cut it, have your DJ do it, do it yourself. If you are handy with <laughs> that sort of tech stuff. Obviously, as you can tell from the audio editing of this podcast, I am not, but that is definitely an option. <laughs> so regret number eight is getting separated from my wife at the wedding. She went to the bathroom, then got swarmed by friends and family, and she disappeared for what seemed like hours. Also getting pulled away from each other in general, like when I would get a drink or talk to someone. So this is a huge one. Um, and I'm actually going to do a future episode on sort of special moments that the two of you can share on your wedding day. I think it's so funny that the whole day is about, you know, the two of you coming together, starting your marriage. Uh, really, the attention is on both of you and this like, you know, life you're starting together. And then it's so true after um, after the ceremony, when you when you physically have to stand next to each other, so often the couple are completely separated. You'll see one member of the couple, you know, on the dance floor, the other one at the bar, then someone's talking to so-and-so in this corner, someone's out in the hallway, someone's in the photo booth. They're very rarely together. And I get it because you are literally surrounded by all of your friends and family. There's so many people to talk to. Um, you probably have a bunch of things to do. You've got to eat, you've got to give a speech, you've got to dance, you've got to go to the photo booth, you've got to I don't know, tip someone or check on the caterer. There's a ton going on and it can be really hard to find those moments to be with your spouse. But I think it's really important and I'm excited to do this uh, future episode all about, you know, finding those moments that can be just for the two of you that can be super special because after all, you know, it is your wedding day as in the two of you. <laughs> it's the day for both of you. And I think it's really important that you spend the majority of that day with your spouse. I don't want you to look back on your wedding day and be like, oh yeah, where was my wife again? <laughs> what, uh, what happened to her? <laughs> I think it's super important that you have that time together. Regret number nine, I would have speeches made before dinner is served. People are quicker when they're hungry and not drunk yet. So this is super, super controversial as many people actually say the opposite. They say, save the speeches until after dinner because your guests are hungry. No one wants to sit there and listen to you know, four or five people talk for four or five minutes each when they are starving and they haven't had anything to eat since breakfast or lunch or whatever, depending on the time of your wedding. Um, so I don't know that I quite agree with this one. You know, people are quicker when they're hungry and not drunk yet. I don't think that's true. I think, you know, assuming that 
the people who are giving speeches at your wedding, you ask them to give speeches ahead of time. They've written something down. They have little cue cards or notes on their phone or whatever. I don't think most people are adding to their speech or cutting from their speech on the fly. I think most people, if they have it written out, they're just going to say what they wrote. <laughs> um, you know, they might embellish a story here or there, but I don't think it's going to be significantly longer or shorter um, depending on if how hungry they are, uh, depending on how drunk they are. I also don't think people, generally speaking, get drunk during the dinner part of the wedding. That's usually the part where you're just drinking the wine at the table. Uh, things are still pretty civil. It's usually after dinner when people start heading to the bar. That's when things can get a little bit wild. So I definitely would not recommend, you know, speeches at 11 p.m. after open bar has been you know, an option for a few hours after they've been silly on the dance floor. For some reason, all of the groomsmen have their ties around their head. You you know what I'm talking about. That's certainly not the time to give speeches. And I have seen these uh, drunk speeches where I've seen, <laughs> I've seen a bridesmaid literally writing her speech at the podium while the other bridesmaid was talking. They were supposed to be doing a joint speech and she was literally like not even trying to hide it, just standing there writing her speech. Um, but I don't think that was a case of, oh, they drank a ton at dinner and now they're not hungry, so they have no problem taking their time. I think it was, oh, the bridesmaids have been drinking all day long. <laughs> um, they probably were never going to be, you know, a good in a good state to give this speech. So my opinion, I actually think you should be doing the speeches during dinner. I think um, it's a really good way to make sure everyone is like seated and paying attention. They're not hungry because they're, you know, currently eating or being served. They're not too drunk yet because you haven't waited until, you know, dance floor time. They're not saying, oh my gosh, hurry up. We just want to get to the dance floor because they still have something to do. They're still eating. And of course, trying to keep those speeches, you know, short, um, trying to limit how many people need to give speeches. I don't think you need to have like every member of the wedding party and all of your parents and your siblings and your grandparents. You could probably have, I don't know, two or three represent representatives from each side. That might even be too many, maybe like one or two parents, one or two wedding party members. That's it. Tell them to keep them like three minutes or shorter. Um, and they can just be like a little interlude, you know, um, during dinner, but between salad and the entree or something like that. Uh, I think that's a really good time to do it. Regret number 10. I wanted to talk to the DJ to make sure he'd have the songs we wanted, but I was told, don't worry about it. He has everything. So I didn't. Don't get me wrong, he did a good job. He had every song, but the few that meant something to us. So this is a super easy fix. You just need to take charge of your vendor relations. So I did an episode, I believe, all about frienders and why you don't want to hire vendors who are also your friends, um, even if it can save you a few bucks and you think it's going to be a more personal experience. There are just so many tricky things. And this isn't even, you know, it doesn't even sound like the DJ was a friend. It was just maybe a friend of a friend. And even that is a little bit of a tricky situation because in this example, the person who submitted the regret, they were told that, oh, don't worry about the DJ. He has all the songs. Um, whereas if they had hired the DJ themselves, they probably would have actually checked in with them about the songs that they wanted to have played. So I think this just shows that you really want to take care of those vendor relations. And if you're worried about something, especially if it's something that's really important to you, you have a list of, you know, these are the songs we have to have played. It really does not hurt to check in. Your DJ is not going to mind if you send them an email, text, whatever, with a few quick questions or like, hey, you just want to make sure these five songs get played. Um, I think it is a good idea if you are hiring a DJ to give them a must playlist. So here are 
you know, five to 10 songs we absolutely want to hear on the night, as well as a don't playlist, you know, here are five to 10 songs that we hate that are offensive, whatever, please do not play them. As well as, of course, any special songs, if you're doing a first dance, a parent child dance, cake cutting song, whatever, make sure they have those. I don't think you need to give them a detailed list of like, oh, here are 150 songs we love in the order we want you to play them. Or else, you know, why did you hire them? (laughs) You could have just put together a Spotify playlist and, you know, press play paid for premium to get rid of the ads. You didn't need to hire a DJ. I think part of what a DJ does is they read the room and they can kind of tell like, oh, people are really into country. Let me put a few more country songs or, oh, wow, this um, 60s jam is not going well. Let let me bring it to something from the 80s or 90s, whatever. Uh, So you don't want to make them stick to a prescribed list of, you know, 100 songs in this order that you want, because really, if, if you're big on the dance floor, if that's a big thing to you, you want to have this big dance party, it's going to be about the atmosphere on the dance floor, about everyone else. It's not going to be about just the two of you listening to your favorite music or else, again, you can just stay home and have a dance party, the two of you with Spotify. You don't need a DJ and all these people. So give your DJ some free reign, but definitely feel free to give them those must play songs, those don't play songs, any of the special songs uh, for certain moments. Just make sure those lists are Uh, On the shorter side, you don't want to give them a list of like 45, don't play these songs. They're not even going to be able to comprehend that. The last regret I'm going to share, number 11, is, well, we could have had the wedding in fall 2019, but my wife wanted to make, or sorry, wanted more time to make sure everything was perfect. So we decided to postpone it until April 2020. Yikes. (laughs) Yikes. <laughs> so this is definitely one of those hindsight is 2020 pun intended uh, situations here. Of course, if they have got if they had gotten married in the fall of 2019, they would have avoided all of this lovely COVID wedding planning that we find ourselves hopefully coming out of now. I'm sure uh, the wedding that they had planned for April 2020 either did not go as as planned. They had to downsize. Maybe they had to postpone again. Um, and that is super tough. I've done a ton of past episodes on, you know, COVID wedding planning. I think episode 60, what to do when you have wedding regrets. That one is really all about how to feel better about those decisions. If you did decide to postpone or downsize or totally cancel, go ahead with it as is, whatever, how to feel better about those decisions um, you made, knowing that you did the best you could with the information you had, right? In the fall of 2019, nobody knew that uh, COVID was going to be a problem and would impact weddings in the spring of 2020. So of course, when they made that decision, they probably, you know, did so with all the information they had, knowing they wanted more time to prepare, more time to save money, to plan, whatever it is. And they just had no way of knowing. So it's, you know, don't beat yourself up for things that you couldn't possibly have known. You did the best you could. And hopefully, you know, you still had or have an amazing wedding. And there's a bit of a silver lining, like, okay, you know, we postponed till April 2020. Maybe we had to postpone again till April 2021. And in that time, we were able to, you know, save more money to get our dream venue, or we realized, you know, we downsized and we realized a small wedding was perfect for us. And we were able to put the money towards a house or we got pregnant. And that was super exciting. You know, there's so many little silver lines that can happen when your wedding plans change. And I think that's kind of the theme with all of these things. You know, all of these are are regrets and obviously you want to do what you can to avoid them, but hopefully there always is that little silver lining and and hopefully your wedding day was still an amazing day and you had, uh, had a great time no matter what went wrong and what you regret.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Unconventional Wedding Planning Podcast. I really appreciate it, and I hope you found the episode helpful. If you really want to make my day, you can leave me a rating and a review, follow along so you don't miss the next episode, and tell a friend about the show. Remember, you shouldn't be spending your wedding day managing other people's feelings. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.